G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. It's Tuesday and on a Tuesday we like to take the opportunity to reflect on those breaking news headlines that are coming out of Israel and the Middle East. So much is happening in the Middle East, hard to keep up with it all, but someone who's across the detail, as those headlines are breaking, is Ron Ross. Ron Ross, welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Ron, big things happening, peace deals in the Middle East, new avenues of influence opening now for the nation of Israel in the Arab world. What are the latest headlines telling us? Well, Israel Prime Minister Netanyahu left for Washington Sunday night to participate along with the UAE Foreign Minister in the Abraham Accord signing ceremony scheduled to take place at the White House Tuesday afternoon US time. While there, Netanyahu will also sign a pact cementing the agreement reached over the weekend between Israel and another Gulf nation, Bahrain. The normalization of relations with the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain opens up several intriguing avenues, Israel analysts and diplomats say. Aside from being another Arab state that Israel enters into official relations with, the added value here is a signaling where Saudi Arabia may be at. While they aren't ready to officially normalize relations with Israel, the Saudis are allowing their proxies to do so with support from behind the scenes. Bahrain is a satellite state of Saudi Arabia. That's why this is so important, because they would never sign the pact without Saudi approval, Professor Joshua Teitelbaum uh, said. Aside from being another Arab state that Israel enters into official relations with, the added value here is of signaling where Saudi Arabia might be at. While they aren't ready to officially normalize relations with Israel, the Saudis are allowing their proxies to do so with support from behind the scenes, Tittlebaum said. On Sunday, Netanyahu addressed the recently announced deal, telling his ministers at the start of the weekly cabinet meeting that he spoke with Bahraini King Harad bin Issa al-Khalifa on Friday. We had a warm conversation in which we agreed to establish peace with full diplomatic relations. Iran's foreign ministry has described Bahrain's move to normalize ties with Israel as shameful. The rulers of Bahrain will from now on be complicit in the crimes of the Zionist region, a statement said. Well, significant manoeuvrings in the Middle East, Ron, and 
uh, as you're preempting what is coming, what will happen tomorrow morning, our time, uh, Tuesday in the US, that's Abraham Accord. Uh, undoubtedly, that's an important document and lots more to be said about it. Hey, let's move on. The second wave of coronavirus is really gripping Israel right now. And the new restrictions are going to impact the Israeli high holidays. A uh, few of those coming up. Uh, what are the effects likely to happen? Well, Israel has recorded 156,000 COVID cases, 1,119 deaths. And now the lockdown laws come into effect. The coronavirus high holidays lockdown will last from September 18 to October 9. And the restrictions include no one can travel more than 500 metres from their home. Gatherings of only up to 10 people inside, 20 outside. The education system is closed except for special education. Public sector workers operate in a limited capacity. Prayer services outside, according to regulations, soon to be finalised. Restaurants shuttered, except for delivery services. Retail tourist sites and other leisure activities closed. The airport will remain open and people can do sports activities on their own. And the big thing is, these restrictions cover the celebrations of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur and Sukkot. Ron, just quickly, before we move on, those celebrations, uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur and Sukkot, uh, you've been in Israel and you know what sort of celebrations happen at that time. It's usually a very festive time, isn't it, in the Holy Land and uh, something that is going to be significantly missed this year. Well, the whole nation really shuts down for that period of time to celebrate these holidays and they really go over the top. Uh, I do believe there's a lot of planning taking place with the rabbis organising online celebrations and services on the internet. Uh, But uh, I think you might find a few of the uh, hard-headed mainliners uh, will probably ignore some of the restrictions and we'll be hearing more about that in the coming weeks. Yes, let's move on. A bit of outrage has followed after Israel installed loudspeakers on the Temple Mount. It does sound very controversial. What are the headlines here? Well, let me just preface this by saying uh, one of the most uh, interrupting aspects of life in Israel is the call to prayer by the Arab community. And I remember attending services at the Anglican Cathedral and always in the middle of the service there was a public announcement of call to prayer over the speakers by the Muslim world. Now Jordanian and Palestinian officials have expressed outrage after Israel reportedly installed loud speakers next to the Temple Mount. Jordan's Ministry of Foreign Affairs and expatriates condemned ongoing Israel violations against Al-Aqsa in a statement on Monday, according to Jordan's official Petra News Agency. The fellow Al-Fayez, a spokesman for the ministry, stated that the police actions are irresponsible, tampering, unacceptable, and constitute a provocation to the feelings of Muslims around the world and a flagrant violation of Israel's obligations as the occupying power under international law. And I can't help but be cynical. Uh, I think Christians 
could make the same comment the other way. <laughs> sounds like a little bit of uh, tit-for-tat, uh, pot calling the kettle black. It sounds like a little bit of, uh, you know, do unto us as uh, as we've done unto you. Uh, that sort of thing, a very significant issue there. Ron, let's talk a little further afield. German athletes have urged sanctions against Iran after the execution of an Olympic wrestler. What's the story here? This is tragic. The German Athletic Advocacy Association, Athleten Deutschland, on Sunday urged the International Olympic Committee and United World Wrestling to impose sanctions on the Islamic Republic of Iran for hanging a reportedly innocent champion Greco-Roman wrestler. Athleten Deutschland is deeply shocked by the death of Nabid Afkari. His execution must not be without consequences. We expect the International Olympic Committee and the United World Wrestling to take a strong stand against human rights violations of athletes and other groups of people who are part of the Olympic movement or are in its sphere of influence, the organisation said. This also includes establishing an appropriate sanction mechanism. It's long overdue that the strongly humanistically shaped Olympic movement commits itself to the protection of human rights. Afkari was hanged on Saturday after he'd been tortured into making confessions of ridiculous crimes. He was widely believed to uh, have confessed to murder only after the torture. He was buried on Sunday in the southern village of Sangar. Tragic. Ron, let's finish on a high note here and... There's a story in the media today. Israelis have discovered 12 ancient inscriptions that show widespread literacy existed during the First Temple era. How does this one look? A handwriting expert from the Israel police teamed up with archaeologists from Tel Aviv University in a groundbreaking new study that showed far more people in the ancient kingdom of Judah were literate than previously thought. It appears to be the first time modern-day police and researchers examining the biblical period around 600 BCE have worked together. Their results show that literacy was not the exclusive domain of a handful of royal scribes. The police experts were brought in to examine ink-inscribed pottery shards from an excavation of the Tel Arad military post on the southern border of the Kingdom of Judah that housed 20 to 30 soldiers. Researchers compared the algorithmic methods with forensic results and brought in forensic specialist Yana Gerber, who served for 27 years in the police's forged documents unit. Gerber found that the writings were by 12 different people with varying degrees of certainty. She said, I delved into the microscopic details of these inscriptions written by people from the First Temple period, from routine issues such as orders concerning the movement of soldiers and the supply of wine, oil and flour through correspondence with neighbouring fortresses. Gaber explained that the writing patterns are unique to each person and no two people write exactly alike. She examined the microscopic details of each inscription down to the spacing between each letter. 
And the main thing for, to take out out of this discovery is details about the literacy in that period that we've never known before. There's no doubt about it. Another wonderful, outstanding update today, Ron, on those breaking news headlines out of Israel and the Middle East. I want to thank you so much for scouring those headlines and bringing to us those stories that help us to understand what's going on in the nation of Israel and throughout the Middle East. Thanks so much for the update today, Ron Ross. Thank you very much, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.